the Red Raiders' hot streak continues, and they hit the road for an Easter weekend matchup with the Kansas State Wildcats. We'll have that and more. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome to Dinger Derby, the official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com. The only website completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join Keith Patrick twice a week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into Dinger Derby, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. It was another great weekend for the Red Raiders who are on a roll right now as they sweep the University of South Florida Bulls in three games in Lubbock. On Friday, it's a 16-6 drubbing of the Bulls. The Red Raiders were led by a nine-run fifth inning, another big offensive explosion for Texas Tech. The storyline of the night is Dylan Carter, the freshman left fielder who made such an impact last season for the Red Raiders. He had surgery over the offseason on his non-throwing shoulder, and we knew that he wouldn't be back. Coach Tadlock had originally told us somewhere around April. Carter was cleared. He enters the Texas Tech lineup for the first time this season, steps up to the plate, and pounds a two-run home run over the center field wall. Dylan Carter announces his presence with authority. It's a two-run jack for him. He's one for four on his comeback night, also has a walk and another run scored as well. So a nice night for Dylan Carter to make his way back. Excited to see him. He immediately walked right back into left field, and Tech is liking what they see. Drew Baker moved around to right field and continued to start there as the weekend order didn't have a lot of changes in it other than the late pinch hitters that do come in, especially in these games that the Red Raiders get well in hand. There were actually four home runs hit on the night, and it's unfortunate for Drew Woodcox, who got the start at first base on that Friday night game, that Dylan Carter did make the comeback and hit the comeback home run as Drew Woodcox pounded back-to-back home runs. He hit two in the same inning for Tech, that long, long fifth inning. Woodcox actually leads off the fifth with a solo home run for Texas Tech. They bat all the way around, multiple RBIs, multiple Red Raiders making it home. And then with two outs, it comes back around to Woodcox after a pitching change, after Dylan Carter draws a walk, and Woodcox knocks a three-run homer over the left field wall. So a big night there at the plate for those guys. And then Cole Stilwell, who pinch hits in the seventh, he walks up, and it's another no-doubter over the left field wall, a three-run shot for Cole Stilwell, who has pinched in and ultimately ends up finishing out the game at catcher, giving Braxton Fulford a rest. It was a big night for the Red Raiders. It was another good start for Brandon Birdsell. He goes five innings pitch, gives up five hits, one run, no walks, and eight strikeouts that night. He lowers his ERA down to a 3.03. You had six pitchers that entered into the game. Some guys you haven't seen a ton of. Hade Key does get another inning under his belt. He struggles a little bit in that one. Gives up three runs. Those were on a three-run home run. Chase Hampton gets an inning of 
scoreless baseball under his belt. Brady Lejeune Diacutis gets to come in, but has a little bit of a struggle as well and only makes it a third of an inning. Josh Sanders puts in some time, and Tyler Hamilton finishes it out with one inning pitched. The Red Raiders put nine runs up on the starter, Jack Jasiak, for the Bulls. On Saturday, it's a shutout for Texas Tech as they win it 8-0. It was just a methodical walk-through-the-day win for Texas Tech. It was another exceptional start for Patrick Monteverdi. He goes seven innings pitched, five hits, no runs, no walks, nine strikeouts, lowers his ERA from a .93 to a .75. He was exceptional. And there was a little bit of fun in the day, too, for Monteverdi. As you know, Monteverdi's from Pittsburgh, and the Red Raider faithful know that. So Chris Need, the heckler sitting over there, dug outside off of home plate, bring their own printed terrible towels made famous in the playoffs in the 70s for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They bring their own yellow terrible towels just for Patrick Monteverdi, specially printed for him, bring a little bit of Pittsburgh to Lubbock, Texas. I can tell you in post-game interviews, Monteverdi is usually a very even-keeled guy, but man, he broke a smile and was so excited about that. Love the way the fans have embraced him in Lubbock, and that has just become an exceptional match for Texas Tech, and he's become a guy that has been very good on the mound for the Red Raiders. Tech started things off very quickly on Saturday. Dylan Noisy gets aboard with a leadoff single. Cal Conley follows with a double. There's a couple of errors in there that help score them both ultimately. And so the first two base runners of the game do score. And then Tech just kind of rolls their way through there. The only innings they didn't score in were the second and the fifth. Texas Tech had no problems the rest of the way. Braxton Fulford hits a home run as well in the eighth, a two-run shot for the final two scores for the Red Raiders. That makes Braxton Fulford's fifth home run of the season. That's a new season career high for him, and Fulford has done a really nice job showing off the power at the plate. He's been really excellent this year defensively as well. He's on the Buster Posey Collegiate Catcher of the Year watch list, and I would expect him to make the semifinals of that list if this offensive production continues to work. Coach Tadlock was asked about that in the postgame, about the power that Brax is displaying, if that was a surprise, and this is what he had to say about it. No, I'll tell you, he's a guy that – I don't know if you were around when uh, last fall, not this past fall, two falls ago, we went to Frisco and played that Rangers minor league team. And, uh, you know, he turned a fastball around down there with a wood bat and hit it. Um, if you've ever been to Frisco, hit it over the um, the bleachers and left. And uh, I want to say did it again here recently. I can't remember where with a wood bat. And uh, he's a guy really gets when he gets in a good position to hit. And he gets leverage. He has bat speed. Um, he's gotten a lot stronger since you know his freshman year. Um, you know he's uh, he's he's got strength, and so no, it really doesn't surprise us. Uh, he got a pitch up today and put a good swing on. If you'd asked me that four years ago, it would have surprised me. So on Sunday, it's Mason Montgomery who does get the start for Texas Tech. That is no surprise whatsoever. It wasn't the best outing for the lefty from Leander. He goes four and a third, gives up four hits and four runs, has three walks and four strikeouts. 
It is Tech who strikes first. Drew Baker with a two-out single to get on board early in the first, and then he's ultimately scored on an error. And then Tech with the, another home run from Braxton Fulford. So that's six on the season for the catcher. He hits a solo shot in the second. Tech doesn't look back, but it does fend off a rally as there's a three-run fifth from the Bulls to close it within two runs, but Tech shuts them down. They put two more up in the bottom of the sixth, and the Red Raiders hang on 7-4. to four. No major heroics. There was a lot of guys working in and getting some different time. There were some stars in the book over the weekend on both sides. Probably the story of the weekend from the Bulls' standpoint, USF would really make some nice plays. They'd flash some leather. They had some great athletes on that team that knew how to play baseball, but then they had a lot of defensive miscues. They would kind of have some blundering mistakes, some errors, some not, and you would you would almost want to laugh at them, and then they would follow it with an exceptional, incredible play, and I think that was just a little bit unusual to see them struggle in one moment and then make a really nice play in the next. But overall, a good weekend for the Red Raiders, a sweep they should have gotten. Chase Hampton actually earned his first save in the Sunday game as he came into a three-run game and finished that out with a scoreless inning. So he earns a save. Andrew Devine actually earned the win in that game. He came in following Montgomery, shut down a rally, and win an inning in two-thirds of his own. Ryan Sublette also had two scoreless innings in there with three strikeouts. So overall, a good weekend for Tech. I'm not going to belabor it too much. Good offensive things that we saw. Dylan Noisy has started getting things working again. He's hit safely in multiple games now. Most of those have been coming out of the leadoff spot as Noisy moved out of the three-hole and made way for Drew Baker, and he has been doing well in that setup. So it's a lineup I would anticipate continuing to see for the time being. And my goodness, Drew Baker... The story of the weekend, if you ask me, it's series after series now that Drew Baker is extremely impressive. Games where he's getting on base every at bat, he's hitting four for five, he's really having some incredible games. Baker currently leads the Red Raiders, the only one batting over 400. He's batting 442. He's slugging 558. His on base percentage leads the team now at 518. Drew Baker's OPS is a 1.076. Baker is your runs leader with 32 runs scored. He has 42 hits on the season, leading in that as well. He's got eight extra base hits. That's six doubles, a triple, and a home run. 14 RBIs, so not high on the RBI list. Of course, he's also higher in the lineup and has been leadoff for much of the season, now in the three-hole. He's drawn 14 walks, which is around middle of the pack for your main contributors, and he has only struck out 14 times. The only contributor on the Red Raiders with less strikeouts is Parker Kelly, and he has 13. So Drew Baker has been exceptional, and it shows. Drew Baker also 11 for 13 in stolen bases. That leads the team by far. Dylan Noisy is next. He's 8 for 9. Cal Conley is 5 for 6. Kurt Wilson 3 for 3. And Jace Young 1 for 1. So it has been an exceptional performance by Baker across the board, and it shows he just received Big 12 Player of the Week honors again. That's back-to-back Big 12 Player of the Week honors for Drew Baker. He's not the first Red Raider to do it since 2016. He's the first player in the Big 12 to do it since 2016. 
to have back-to-back Player of the Week honors. It's an exceptional time. He's very humble about it. He's talking about doing what it takes for his team, regardless of where he is in the lineup, and that he's seeing the ball really well. And I'm excited for him. Some of us were talking earlier in the season that Baker was flying a little bit under the radar, although he was having a pretty good season. And then all of a sudden, he became Mr. Reliable out there for the Red Raiders, and it's been nice to see. Jace Young still having an exceptional year. He still leads the team in slugging with a 741. He has eight home runs right now, 31 RBI. That leads the team. He's batting a 388. His on-base percentage is 505, good for second behind Baker. He scored 22 runs. He's still got six doubles in addition to the eight home runs. And Young has still been excellent defensively. Cal Conley coming from there, 359 is his average. Braxton Fulford hitting a 286 right now. He's slugging a 683 with the six home runs. He has a triple and five doubles. All the way up and down this team, you have dangerous offensive weapons. The only place that I would say Texas Tech is potentially still looking for the answer is at DH. You've seen Easton Morell in there often. Cole Stilwell has had his time in there. Cody Masters enters in there at times. Nate Rombach is somebody we haven't seen a lot at DH this year. He has worked in more at catcher, a little bit at first base, although Drew Woodcox spent more time at first base this weekend. I'm going to keep it a short episode for you folks because it's a short week as well as the Red Raiders will be headed to Manhattan, Kansas, and they will face the Kansas State Wildcats in an Easter weekend game. So you're going to have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series coming up this weekend. Those will all be on ESPN Plus coming from Troynton Family Stadium in Manhattan. That is a ballpark that has... $17 million in new renovations. It looks great. I'm looking forward to seeing it on TV and seeing what it looks like. So the K-State games will be on Thursday, 6 p.m., Friday, 6 p.m., and Saturday, April 3rd at 4 p.m. As I said, you can find those on the Texas Tech Sports Network on radio and on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. So what we're looking for from the Wildcats Undoubtedly, the leader in that rotation is Jordan Wicks, widely regarded as one of the better pitchers in the country. He leads them in innings pitched. It's 37 and a third. Wicks has struck out 51 and walked only 10. His ERA is a 265 right now. Whip is a 107. That leads their team as well. He's allowing a 214 batting average, and this is an important thing to look at. Tech, a strong offensive team as they often are, particularly at the top of the lineup right now. George has felt like Potentially, Wicks does not bring to the table as much as others are seeing from him. He is a strong Friday night, or in this case, most likely Thursday night starter for K-State. But I would argue, too, that K-State has not seen the schedule that many other teams have seen. And I'm going to run through that a little bit for you. They started their season at the Sanderson Ford College Classic, which is in Surprise, Arizona. And it was behind Wicks's arm that they beat Oregon State in their season opener on a Friday afternoon. They won it 3-2. They dropped the next one on Saturday to Gonzaga 17-5, then lost one to New Mexico 4-3, and then did take down Gonzaga before it was all done 6-1. They faced Western Michigan at home in Manhattan for their home opener. They won it 9-8, 11-3, 2-1. 
and then hosted Eastern Illinois the following weekend, and they actually lost that series to Eastern Illinois. It was 6-3, and then they lost it 5-6 and 14-7 the next two days. They hosted a midweek with South Dakota State, took down the Jackrabbits 15-4 and 10-0 in those. Then Northern Illinois in Houston where they won 4-3, and then they won 3-1, but it took them 10 innings to put them away. They played Rice at Reckling Park while they were there in Houston. They split that two game. They won it 8-3 and then lost it 1-0, and then had a full series with New Mexico, which they did win the series, but lost the Saturday game. They won it 7-1, lost 4-6, and won 17-8. They went on the road to Wichita State in a one game on a Tuesday prior to their Big 12 opener, and they lost that one 1-5. to Their Big 12 opener was also Oklahoma State, so it was the week after the Cowboys left Lubbock. They went to Stillwater, did the Wildcats, and they were swept by Oklahoma State, 14-5, 4-2, and 8-2. So Wicks, not as effective in those games as he had been earlier on, of course, We saw Oklahoma State here in Lubbock. I'm going to argue they are not an elite offense, despite some of the categories that they have led in. And they scored pretty handily, certainly on Friday night, against the Wildcats. But I would look for Jordan Wicks. He did start in that Friday game against Oklahoma State. He went six innings pitched, gave up six hits, five runs, two walks, did have nine strikeouts. He went 103 pitches that evening. So look for Wicks on Thursday. Their Friday starter is most likely Carson Seymour. He went six innings with seven strikeouts against the Cowboys. Seymour on the season, 30 innings pitch. He has a 450 ERA, and he's giving up a 254 batting average. And their Saturday starter will most likely be Connor McCullough. He went three and a third against the Cowboys, only one strikeout, three walks and he was run a little bit early. On the season, McCullough has 30 and two-thirds innings pitch. He's got a 3.23 ERA. He's also giving up a 2.54 batting average. Now, depending on the weather in Manhattan, the Red Raiders could see some struggles there. They have in the past Thursday. They could definitely feel a little bit of that. As Thursday, the high in Manhattan is 62, but the low is 42, so that could drop down a little bit on Thursday evening, especially in a 6 p.m. game. Same thing Friday, the high of 72, but a low of 50, so you could get into some cooler temperatures. Saturday, the afternoon game at 4, the high is 80, and the low is 50 once again. So the weather's something to be concerned about, certainly not as cold or even snowy as we've seen before with Tech going up there. Offensively, There have been other leaders there. Jace Young has been neck and neck throughout the season with Zach Kokoska. He leads the Big 12 right now with nine home runs. Young has eight. Kokoska's batting a 313. He does not lead the team, but he's one of three Wildcats that are batting over 300. Dylan Phillips batting a 341. He's slugging 588. Kokoska slugging 687. Phillips does lead in RBI with 25. He also has six doubles in addition to his five home runs, and he is their hits leader. But overall, I don't see a prolific offense coming out of this team. This is a team that Red Raider pitching should be able to handle 
fairly well. I'm not going to say easily, but definitely well. And I also think that the Red Raider offense should be able to absolutely feast on K-State pitching. I'm not going to say Jordan Wicks is not potentially an elite pitcher, and I think that Tech has their work cut out for him on Thursday with him. But overall, this should be a very winnable, a very sweepable series over K-State. And it's a point now in the season where you want to watch those other Big 12 teams, and we'll keep an eye on them too, because those sweeps will equal Big 12 titles. And so not dropping single games to teams will be imperative if you want Texas Tech with the opportunity to win that regular season Big 12 championship. You already dropped a single game to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State turned around with a sweep of K-State. So you certainly need the opportunity when you can get it to get those conference sweeps, especially on the road. One of the biggest movements for Texas Tech this week has been in the RPI. The official NCAA RPI has not yet started, but there is an RPI service out there that does a live RPI that most feel is pretty accurate, and they've moved Tech up into the 20 to 22 range, and that is exactly what you want to see. Tech's strength of schedule has shot up the list from where it started this season. You're going to see UConn continue to have good things happen. You're going to have Gonzaga having good things happen. USF may even turn around in the American and have a better season than they're seeing in their non-conferences. They came in at 500 to Lubbock, so not terrible by any means. But those are things that will continue to shake out as things go along. But Texas Tech's RPI should be just fine through the season. Even the teams that Tech lost to to open things up, those SEC teams, as they continue to have solid years. Arkansas, currently number two in the country. Mississippi State, number one. Those will continue to pay dividends as well. When you play tough competition, your strength of schedule and RPI is usually just fine. That's the majority of what I have for you folks. I would look this weekend to see that Thursday night matchup. I think that it will be interesting to see how Red Raider bats deal with Jordan Wicks, one of the better pitchers that you will have seen in a in a series format this season. I'm also curious to see how those Tech bats look going on a road trip as you've been at home for a 12-game stand, so a road trip will be a positive for this team right now to get out there, get a little bit of road work under their belts and to feel a little bit more comfortable in that. Of course, here we are getting into the heart of Big 12 play, and I know that all of us are excited about that. I would look for Drew Baker to continue what he has been doing. I would look for Patrick Monteverdi to continue dealing. And I do begin to wonder what kind of questions are entering the minds of the coaching staff and wondering what your starting rotation may begin to change in any way whatsoever. Mason Montgomery in particular, is he going to hold on to that Sunday spot? Will there be some experimentation that goes on as we go along here? I'm also curious to see where Micah Dallas falls into things. We saw him in another relief role. Twice now we've seen Micah Dallas in relief. He's been a little bit wild. He's been effective, but he has been a little bit wild. I wonder if that is engendering the trust he needs for the chance to break into the starting weekend rotation, or if Montgomery just had an off day, which they were letting him work through, and then ultimately he will be just fine. So questions that we'll have answered when we get a chance to talk to Coach Tadlock that may come as early as Wednesday, if it comes at all, and we will see what that rotation looks like. Thank you so much for everything you guys are doing to follow, 
Dinger Derby, to follow Red Raider Dugout, to support the website and the podcast. Please continue to do those things. Follow us on social media at Red Raider Dugout, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can follow me at Keith B. Patrick. Follow Randy at Randy Rosetta. It's been a fun season so far. There's a lot more to come. Thanks for hanging with us. Always feel free to interact with us on social media. Shoot us an email or a DM. Let us know any questions you have or what you would like to hear more of here on the Dinger Derby podcast. Quick and dirty for you today, folks. Hope that you get a chance to watch some baseball this Easter weekend and enjoy some good time with family. We'll see you around the ballpark soon. Until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Red Raider Dugout. And find more great tech baseball coverage at RedRaiderDugout.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back soon with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck em tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone. There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me